them all. Like I, I can't <laughs> book recommendations. Um, and you know, your stuff, which is so awesome, but, Thank but you. book recommendations are like gold. It's like money to get good book ideas. It totally is. I'm with you there. Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 63. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Today, we're talking to a special guest that many of you have been hoping to hear from for a long time. I'm happy to welcome Elise Bloha Kripe onto the show, who you may know is the creative professional behind the Get to Work Book Planner, her podcast, Elise Gets Crafty, her blog, and her beautiful Instagram account at Elise Joy. Most importantly, Elise is one of those people who can't not talk about books. She loves to be reading and loves to share what she reads. Today, we talk all about Elise's love of big, thick books, the three places she gets her book recommendations and how the true sign of a great book is if it makes Elise forget she even has a phone. Let's get to it. Readers, on our recent Ask Me Anything episode, I got lots of questions about recommending books for kids. When it comes to children's recs, I rely on people who know children's books, and Literati Kids sure does. Literati Kids is a book club subscription that sends five beautiful children's books to your door each month, handpicked by experts. They tailor each box with age-appropriate selections for children aged 0 to 12, and around themes like mystery, adventure, and history. My 10-year-old loved his Literati box and found several new favorite authors among their personalized selections. In addition to the books your child receives, receives artwork from world-renowned artists, personalized stickers, and other fun goodies in each monthly box. Go to literati.com slash readnext for 25% off your first two orders and pick your kids' book club today. Remember, no one else has kids' book clubs like these. Only at literati.com slash readnext can you get 25% off your first two orders and receive five incredible kids' books curated by experts delivered to your door every month. That's literati.com slash readnext. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. We've had a lot of requests to have you on, so I'm glad this could happen. That's great. That's flattering. <laughs> okay. Well, people who know you online probably know you first and foremost, and I'm curious how you feel about this being your identity, as a crafty person and an entrepreneur and also as a podcaster. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about the roles those things have in your life, but also who you are when you're not on the internet? Yeah, awesome. Well, I, those are good things. If those, if that's what I'm known for on the internet, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled with that. Um, yeah, I, I do. So, yeah, most people probably found me from my blog. I used to blog um, daily at enjoyitblog.com, and a lot of what I blogged about was craft projects, absolutely. And in the past couple of years, I've sort of stepped back from the blog, and now one of the bigger things that I do is I have a business called Get to Work Book, and I sell a planner and goal setting tools. And so that's kind of become my main job. Job. Um, but I do have a podcast. It's called uh, Elise Gets Crafty, which is sort of a weird name because it's about creative small business much more than it's about me or crafts. But I've been doing that now for, let's see, I think it's going to be three years in April. Oh, wow. Um, I live in San Diego. My husband is in the Navy. And so we live here with our two girls. Um, they are three and one. And yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. My my off the internet time is spent um, working and, you know, keeping the girls going and, and then obviously reading. I, I love to read. It's my absolute favorite hobby. And so that's why it's such a pleasure to get to chat books. 
Oh, definitely. And something you can tell about people who have jobs that don't involve books, if they're big readers, they can't help but talk about books. So it's obvious, especially from your Instagram account, that you read a lot. And I just love the hashtag you use. Yeah, it's Elise Reads and Reads. And it was just going to be Elise Reads. But when I made that hashtag, there was like a little girl, like she, you know, she's like four or something. And she, her mom was posting pictures of her reading. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to step on her <laughs> hashtag. So, so mine is Elise Reads and Reads. And I do, I, I share the books that I'm currently reading and I don't share every book. And that's something I'd love to talk about is I do a terrible job for myself, like keeping a record of what I read. What percentage of your book recommendations do you think you get from Instagram? Oh my gosh. I, I feel like almost all, but I, I get books too. Well, I get books three places. Um, recommendations, usually from Instagram. Um, the library, I go, I go to the library probably twice a week with my girls and they have like the new section. And so I just stand there and kind of like pick based on covers and based on, you know, what authors have left little reviews on the back cover of books. Mm -hmm. And my third is I'm part of the book of the month club. And so I get a lot of suggestions, of course, from that every month. Nice. Well, I'm very curious about the role you feel reading has in a creative life. What role does reading have in your life? For me, I read books to escape. So I want to read a book that is more interesting to me than TV or more interesting to me than scrolling Instagram or I want a book that like I forget that I have a phone you know and so that, that's that's what I'm looking for and often like I'll be reading and I'm kind of just like distracted and and I find myself like wanting to check my phone or wanting to go like do something else that's when I kind of know the book isn't great so I'm reading a book to kind of step back from everything else and step back from real life I read probably 85 percent fiction, but I do read nonfiction too. And a lot of times when I'm reading nonfiction, I'm looking for something to kind of make me think and, and change, you know, make, make me do something different. And so I don't tend to read books by people like me. I tend to read books by people who are very much not like me. And then maybe that'll make me think about something in a different way. So is someone who gets paid to be creative, to manage a business, to think quick on your feet and solve a bunch of problems. Do you notice an impact on your work life when you don't have that time to step back and recharge, whether it's reading or going for a run or taking a drive by yourself with no noise? Do you notice that in your life? Definitely. You know, I, um, it's interesting. I have a business where my, my business is called get to work. Right. And so, um, work and, and helping people work and helping people work effectively is kind of like, my number one goal. And so the other last weekend I was doing a craft fair and someone came up and they're like, so do you love to work? And I, you know, I kind of laughed because it's like, no, I love to get through work efficiently so that I can do fun stuff, you know? And, and so I, I feel my most balanced and my most healthy when I am working sometimes. Right. But I am also having that time to read or, or exactly, or to walk with a podcast or to uncharge a little bit or decharge or I, I guess charge up again. Um, that's when I feel my best. I think I start to feel extremely overwhelmed and panicked when I'm not able to take breaks. But I also think that so much of taking breaks is just being realistic about what you can take on and saying no to the stuff that you can't. And I remember when I was little, I used to get asked like, you know, what are you doing Saturday? And I would say nothing. 
And then someone would say like, oh, well, do you want to go do X, Y, Z? And it's like, no, nothing is my activity. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm nothing. nothing means I'm sitting on my couch and I'm reading. Even when I was young, like I needed that introvert time to kind of get fueled up again. And so to me, nothing is like, is one of the most important things that I do every week. So Elise, I'm curious. I have a friend who's a maker. She, she makes bags. She sews things. She's an engineer at heart who loves taking things apart and putting them back together. And I think she was feeling a little bit guilty because she didn't read as much as I did where that's part of my job and it's not part of her job. But she said, you know, Anne, like, I really think that my magazines are the same as your reading. Like it's the place where I escape and let my mind wander and find inspiration off the clock. And then I can come back to my work refreshed. And I think reading does that for you, but other kinds of visual input do that for me. And I wanted to bring that up because I think a lot of people who don't read and read and read and read all the time feel kind of guilty about it, but they are intentionally getting inspiration and like an energy boost in other places. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that, especially as someone who works in the creative fields. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I think that how we recharge is so different, right? And so for some people, it could be baking or for some people, it could be like pulling weeds in their garden. I think reading is a hobby that people who love it, love it. <laughs> um, and, and they're so passionate about it. And But I think that any hobby can kind of be that. It's just for some reason, which is insane, we tend to think of reading as like, almost highbrow or it's like the right thing to do. Or if you have free time, of course you should be reading a book. Um, and, and that's true if it recharges you and if it gives you energy, but if exactly if magazines do that, or even if scrolling Pinterest for six hours, if, if that actually truly gives you energy instead of drains you, then that's amazing. But I think <laughs> that's that, truly amazing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's amazing. Um, but I think that's something that I think about all the time. Like I used to, when my daughter would nap, you know, if I sat and read a book for an hour and she got up from her nap, I felt great. Um, but if I sat and scrolled Instagram and, you know, read random stuff on various websites, then when she woke up from her nap, I was irritable and frustrated. Um, and so it was, it was kind of like me realizing this is depleting me, not, you know, whatever it is. And reading is, is giving me more energy. So I just think that you kind of have to pay attention to yourself and not worry too much about what other people are doing but like be very conscious about the way that you're spending your quote unquote free time. I can't wait to talk about your favorites because I know what they are. Guests tell me in advance. Elise, you know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate and what you've been reading lately. And then we'll talk about what you should read next. Are you ready? Awesome. Want a confidence boost? Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. Get gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at $22. This is game-changing color you can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon without the time or expense. At Madison Reed, master colorists blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. What Should I Read Next listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with the code READ. Use the code READ, R-E-A-D, at madison-reed, R-E-E-D.com. Readers, if you love What Should I Read Next, you're going to love being part of our Patreon community. That's where we share bonus episodes, including follow-ups with previous guests, interesting conversations that were cut for time reasons, and one great book style episodes where I tell you all about recent reads that I adore. In addition to the extra audio, you get access to our super secret spreadsheet vault with the full list of all the books guests love and my three recommendations from every episode in an easy-to-search format. 
And on occasion, we get together live online for Ask Us Anything style conversations and events like our 90-minute fall book preview and summer reading guide unboxing. Join for all these perks and to be part of the community behind What Should I Read Next. Go to patreon.com slash what should I read next. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what should I read next to become a member today. Patreon.com slash what should I read next. I'm super excited. Okay, let's start with your favorites. Tell me three books you love. So uh, my go-to say it all the time, The Time Traveler's Wife was probably is probably my favorite book. This year, books that I read that became that became kind of instant favorites. I read Dark Matter, which was by Blake Crouch. And that I just loved. I tore through it in in maybe, I don't know, like a day. (laughs) Okay, tell us more about that. I'm guessing that was a book of the month pick for you. It was. It was my book of the month pick. Um, And what I tend to do with book of the month is I pick the book I want, and then usually I look through the other five titles and or four titles and add some of them to my library queue. And so I get to them later. But yeah, Dark Matter came and I just raced through it. Couldn't put it down. I even gave it to my husband to read and he is not a big reader and he read it and loved it. So that's like insane that we both love the same book. I don't know how much spoiler I, or I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> okay. But. No spoilers, but tell us a little bit about it. Okay. So most books, I think, sound worse the more you describe them and plot summaries very rarely sell people on books but this one has a really great premise yes so this book was it's about um it's kind of sci-fi i guess but i don't think that that's the main part of it you're not like getting bogged down in scientific things but it's it's this idea that we have multiple universes the the main character he kind of ends up getting stuck in between universes and seeing what happens to him and what happens to his family in all of these different scenarios and how all of these different scenarios play out. Um, which again, like starts to sound kind of crazy, but the way they did it, I thought was so good. It was suspenseful, but I don't know. I just, I loved it. I, <laughs> so terrible at, at, um, I'm like the worst person to have on because I can't give very good synopses other than um, it just felt exciting, and I was truly like, what's going to happen next? So that was that was probably my favorite. I think a lot of people, and definitely me, choose books that other readers recommend, not because, I mean, sometimes because there's a really interesting premise, but mostly when people talk about like how they felt when they were reading a book, that's what makes people want to go pick it up. Okay, so I'm curious. I keep hearing, I just read this one myself, and my husband read this when it first came in the mail from Book of the Month. He just snatched it up and thought, this is for me. But what I've heard from a lot of people is that They don't read sci-fi. They never thought they'd enjoy this, but they heard a really strong recommendation from a friend who they also didn't peg as a reader who would want to read about physics. (laughs) And they really loved it. So this seems to be resonating with a lot of people who love like fun, fast moving books, even though they don't necessarily read sci-fi. Is that you? I mean, I I tend to enjoy just kind of thrillery books. Like I, I, I think it's because those are the ones that grip me and I'm held in and I want to keep going. Um, but I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say it's super sci-fi. I did. I read, um, love minus 80. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. Love minus 80 a few years ago. And that is, it's the future and social media has kind of become our lives. And instead of just carrying your phone around, you wear this almost skin that it's, it's constantly tracking what you're doing and where you are. But again, terrible description, but it was amazing. I don't know how I got that recommendation. I couldn't tell you where it came from. Um, there was like one copy in my entire library system and I read it and I thought it was amazing. And 
I told everyone about it. So that was another kind of sci-fi, weird, crazy book that I was really hooked into um, that could be worth checking out if you want to see how social media could destroy us all in the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was good. It was, it was entertaining and gripping, different than Dark Matter, but that would that would be like one other sci-fi book that I really enjoyed. Elise, what's book two? Um, book two that I really enjoyed was Station Eleven. And that one I think I enjoyed because I read, so I've read a lot and and this is because there's just so much of it now, like a lot of dystopian books, you know, it's, um, and what I enjoyed about station 11 is you got to see, and I I don't think this is a spoiler because it's so early. You got to see the fall. So it wasn't just like the civilization as we know it ended 300 years ago. Now look how we're living. It was, this is what it looked like when civilization fell apart. And I thought that was so interesting. Um, but what I found is I recommended station 11, like a hundred times. It was one of my favorites <laughs> this year. And, and people either love it or they hate it and they think I'm crazy. So I, I recommend that one kind of with trepidation because I've had people who say, this is so great. And I've had people say, I couldn't even get into this. Like you're nuts. So that was one that I really enjoyed, but I know a lot of people have not. Have you read that one? I have. I'm in the love it, camp. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. That it, to me, it just was so cool. I, 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 I thought it was beautifully done. I thought it was interesting. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I think of that about that book all the time for weird ways. Um, right at the beginning when things are falling apart. So what happens in this book is there's a massive epidemic, pandemic, I guess, that wipes out what percentages of humanity? It's like, like 90, maybe 95. Yeah, it's a ton. But I think about how one of the main characters, the man that's sitting in the theater, he told his friend, the nurse who works in the ER, like, if the big one ever hits, you got to let me know. And how he gets the call that says, this is it. This is it. Get out of town. And oh, it's just so creepy. But it's not, it's it's an eerie book, but I wouldn't call it creepy, would you? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's... I think where maybe some people do struggle and I can see this a little bit is it's almost so real. Like you can almost feel that happening, you know, which is a little bit horrifying, but I think it's also inspiring, you know, that people do go on and the ways that they go on. And I tend to like books where there's a lot of different characters, but they're all connected. And, and, and I just, I thought it was smart. And I don't know, has that author written any other books? So this is Emily St. John Mandel. This is her like third or fourth full length novel. Um, I started reading last night in Montreal at the pool this summer just because I wanted to read more by her. And it just wasn't the right book for the pool Mm. on my Kindle Mm. with my kids like splashing me. It just wasn't working. But the winter would probably be a good time to read that if I wanted to try it again. And she wrote this great essay about the many uses of the word girl in titles right now. It's uh, uh-huh. it's some long form piece. We'll put that in show comments if we can find okay. it. But no, definitely breakout book. Yeah, yeah, it was so great. Yeah, I really liked it too. Okay, what's book three? So I'm not, I'm trying to remember if this is the one I told you, but I loved when breath becomes air, and that was my nonfiction of the year. I think I only read like three nonfictions this year, and that was one oh, of wow. them. And, yeah, I read it very early, I think in January or February, mm-hmm. right after it was coming, right after it had come out. And I um, I thought it was beautiful. I, I read Cup of Joe, the blog, and mm-hmm. her sister, it was her sister's husband who was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, it was terminal and he was going to die. And he wrote it, you know, at the end of his life. And I 
read it just in like, you know, maybe two sittings. It's not a long book. And at the very end, you know, he didn't quite finish the book. And so his wife kind of wrote the epilogue and I just read it. And I think I was nursing my little one and just sobbing, you know, just reading it, sobbing, but not, you know, it's one of those, but sometimes you need that cry, you know, you need it. And my husband, Paul was like, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing this to yourself? And, and it was like, it's one of those ones that you need to have. And I think, so much of his writing and his essays, it's just, it's like that genius that we don't necessarily see all of the time. And yeah, I mean, I, I just, I was touched by what he had to say about, you know, life and, and kind of how he and his family processed what was happening. And I thought it was great. I've read a few books by Atul Gawande. Um, he is the surgeon who writes complicated um, or complications. He wrote Checklist Manifesto and Being Mortal are all, some of his books too. And so he's a doctor with a way of writing that's amazing. And this book, When Breath Becomes Air, um, felt like that. It just, it, it got me inspired and obviously sad and all of those feelings, but it was so great. And again, like great <laughs> is like the worst word ever, but, but it's, it's when books, I think that's what it is. I think that when books kind of hit you emotionally, you're not able to articulate why they are so good because they just they just were. It's like saying, you know, why do you love your partner? It's like, well, I don't know. They're just they're good people. You know, it's it's hard to get into all the details. But it was a nonfiction. That would be my, my nonfiction recommendation from this past year. Okay. I'm glad you brought up Atul Gawande because when I read I read Being Mortal first. Okay. And then I read When Breath Becomes Air. And they're different books, but they're, they have a lot of the same themes. They mm -hmm. address the topic from different ways, of course, just because they're in such different places. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, sometimes the deeper you feel about something or the deeper something hits you, the more I feel like I sound like an idiot, like trying to explain yeah. why. I know. It's tough. And, and I think that's why... It's it's often hard to give book re recommendations other than that's why I think recommendations work so well when you're like if you liked blank you'll probably like blank right because mm -hmm. people people have their own connections to the first book so then they can kind of portray that own emotion to, towards the second um, but it is it's it's hard to do justice often to really great books yes yes it is but we're gonna you know we try we try our best yeah. okay that's not actually the third book you told me you told me fiction. Yeah. Oh, what was the third? Well, I'm wondering if you remember. Yeah. I'm wondering how, uh, well, I just put out my favorites list on my blog as we're recording now for the year. And it's, I mean, it's hard to know. It's hard to demarcate between like a whole year's worth of reading and choose just a handful of favorites. Three mm -hmm. is especially tough. Okay. It was The Nightingale. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're totally right. Um, I, so when I was pulling the titles, I went back through my hashtag, you know, to see what I'd read this year as a reminder. And I did the nightingale was the book where every single time I would post what I was reading, someone in the comments, maybe two or three people would be like, you have to read the nightingale. And so I was, you know, 800 and something on the library list. And then I, it finally came up and I read it and just like raced through, even though it's, it's, a, it's a thick, you know, denser, you know, I wouldn't say dense. It's not like a technical read, but it's a thicker book. Um, and I did, I raced through it. I loved it. It was one of those books where at the end you like want to hug it, you know, you don't want it to end. <laughs> um, and I had to like go and be like, everyone was right. It was so great. So 
Yeah, you're totally right. That was my, that would definitely be in my top for fiction. Is it a coincidence that that's World War II or is that a genre you know you love? Uh, yeah, I, I think coincidence. I do like historical fiction. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I, I, it, yeah, that wasn't, I didn't pick it because of, because it was World War II. Okay, so you'll read anything if it's done especially well. Well, okay, I don't want you to feel like I'm going to take advantage of that or something. I feel the same way. A lot of books surprise me because they're genres I don't expect to love, but they're just so well done, and the authors found a way to connect it to me, and I love finding books like that. Okay, so you read a lot, and anyone who reads a lot has encountered some duds. So what's a book that missed the mark for you and made you want to go pick up Netflix or scroll through Instagram? I think it's a little bit harder because books that are kind of duds, you don't they don't stick with you in the same way. Um, I have, so I tend to check out a ton of books from the library at once. And then I read, I kind of like pick one up and start it and see if it's getting me going or not. And I have no qual, like if, if I'm not loving it, I'm done. I don't mm -hmm. waste any time on books I don't love. Um, so that happens to me all the time. It's a little bit harder to remember. I wouldn't say that I hated it, but I, I use this book as the example because so many people were obsessed with it. <laughs> I like The Fault of Our Stars. Um, people loved it. Like that was like the book and everyone's, you know, thought it was amazing and they sobbed and sobbed and it was so great. And I read it and I was like, what? I just, I, I didn't connect in the same way. I think what I've learned, like, and I, I learned this over and over again, is I don't do wonderful with young adult books. I can't. I, I can't do it, even though I, I think of what I, I tend to just get overwhelmed with like their language and the way they talk to each other. To me, it just doesn't seem realistic. Um, and so I tend to struggle. And so that was the one book where people were obsessed with it and I just could not figure out why. And I would, I would never say hate because that's crazy. But um, I, that was the one that I still read it quickly. But at the end, I, I just couldn't understand the hype for it. Okay, I'm trying to remember now if this has been on the podcast recently or if a friend was telling me this at the coffee shop, but she hated The Fault in Our Stars and she said, teenagers just don't talk like that. And that's what, so that's what I said. I, I posted about it on my blog a few years ago and I said that. And then I went and I read the Amazon reviews and the Amazon reviews were like one star or five stars. And so in, in the comments of the reviews, people would say that. People would say, teenagers don't talk like that. And then there would be comments responding to those reviews from teenagers saying, yes, we do. And, like, this <laughs> and so I, I realized that, that there may just be, sometimes I'm like, Elise, like you are not a young adult. Like maybe that's why you don't like young adult, you know, like you have to kind of put it into context. So, um, I, for me, it just missed the mark. It's not like I wouldn't recommend it. It's just, if you gave, you know, if I recommended a hundred books, I don't think it would be on my list. Elise, what are you reading now? So I was reading up until today, I have to drop it back off at the library and I haven't finished. I was reading I Let You Go um, by Claire, I think, is it McIntosh, McIntosh? I'm curious to hear what you think because when I saw the list of books you love, I thought, oh, that sounds up her alley. Okay, yeah, so yeah. how how is it? So I've really enjoyed it. My, my error was it was a new book from the library and I had a bunch and I didn't read it fast enough. So it like, not because I don't like it, I'm truly enjoying it, but I'm gonna have to return it and recheck it out. So that's a disaster, but I'm, I really, <laughs> I really was, was enjoying it and I am excited. I know I'll get to finish it eventually. Um, so that's what I was reading. What I'm planning to start is my next book of the month, which is you will know me by yes. Megan Abbott. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't started that yet, but it's, it's like on my desk ready to roll. 
I don't that's know. Where I'm it's, at. it's YA, Elise. What do you think? I know. I'm, I'm nervous. About <laughs> I, I'm really nervous. I'm kind of scared. It was yeah, book of the month. I'm I'm hopeful that I like it, but I'm nervous. If I open it up and they're like saying crazy words and. I don't know. Young romance is tough. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully there's not too much romance. I don't know. I think so that one might be more about the parents than, okay. I mean, the daughter is obviously a big part, but you see a lot of it through the parents' eyes and yeah. it has strong narrative drive, which I think, oh, interesting. You, you know, so, you'll want to know what happens next. Yeah. I'm excited. I think, I think it'll go quick. I think that to go back really quick, I think with Fault of Our Stars, I had just had my daughter and my first daughter, and I think I was reading that one and I was obviously, I'm so sad for these kids, you know, who are sick, but I also couldn't get away from the fact that like they had parents, you know? And so it was hard for me to think about my child having cancer, you know, and my kid dying. And so I think I was not in the right mindset to be worried about the romance of the kids when I was thinking about how difficult it would be as a parent to watch your child be so sick. That might have been a struggle. So some, <laughs> <laughs> I remember like I read Hunger Games, you know, six years ago and loved it. And then I had my parents read it and my dad almost couldn't enjoy it because he was thinking about being a parent, sending your kid into the ring. And I was, you know, thinking about myself going into the ring. It was a weird, sometimes there's like an age thing that comes into play or like your own experiences obviously really affect the book. And maybe that's, Maybe that's why I struggled with that one. I read a book when I had probably a week old baby because like I was pinned to the couch yeah. feeding her. I'm trying to think which child this would have been for hours and hours and hours. And I read a ton, but I made the mistake of reading this book, except I didn't see it coming in my defense, where the mom of a young infant dies unexpectedly. Oh and oh like, I don't want to, I don't know if I'm at a place where I want to read that at any point, but yeah. I definitely don't want to read it holding my week old baby. Right. So and when I'm already super hormonal, like that is just not the time, not the time, wrong, no. wrong time. No, yeah. no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Elise, is there anything you want more of in your reading life? I think what I wish I did with my reading life is I wish I kept better track of what I read. Um, and I kind of mentioned this. I have a Goodreads account, but I don't update it. So like a, a resolution for 2017 is I just want to keep track, you know, briefly, um, make a, you know, keep, keep a list of what I'm, what I'm reading and then do the three star, four star, five star, whatever, something to keep track and do better with that. I wish I was a little bit more organized um, as far as what I have read. That would make it so much easier when people <laughs> want recommendations too, mm -hmm. if I knew. I feel very lucky that I, I feel like for the most part I have time to read. You know, I, my daughters are going to bed at a decent time and so I get a lot of time to read at night. So time-wise I feel pretty good. And then, like I mentioned, the combination of book, in the, book of the month and the library I feel like I have enough books and I, I, I sometimes go through phases of life where I don't feel like I have anything good to read. Like I don't know what to read. And it's been a long time since I felt like that. So that's good. You know, I hate when I'm like, oh, there's no good books, which is ridiculous. Um, so right now I feel pretty good. I just want to do a better job keeping a record of what I have read. Okay. Uh, I think that's on a lot of people's lists for 2017. Cool. That's good. It's nice to talk about this right now because it's like, we only have two weeks until we can start. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. I have ideas for you. One Great. Them, I'm so excited. One of them is YA. So we'll talk about that, but we'll get to them right after the break. 
Elise, welcome back. Let's talk about your books. Okay, so here's what I'm noticing, and I totally convinced you to help me cheat and got four titles out of you instead of just three. So (laughs) tell me if this sounds right. Dark Matter is a fun, engaging, it has a caper, like cinematic kind of feel. Station Eleven is your most serious, like literary fiction pick, but I think that's just a coincidence. I don't think you try to read the stuff that's going to show up on the award winners lists. No, right. I'm unaware okay. of the award winners list, so that's right. good. <laughs> Reading to escape, not to check any you know lists off somewhere to accomplish great things. Okay, and let's see, The Nightingale is a good story, well told. So mm-hmm. I think actually that sums up all your books: a good story, well told. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're looking for? Totally. Yeah. Okay. And you don't do great with young adult books. Not really. No, they gotta be, they gotta be unbelievably great. But even then, uh, yeah, no, I don't do great. (laughs) Okay. So I'm thinking about a young adult book for you. Okay. And it's a good story. Well told it's short. It has forward momentum, but I don't know. You don't do young adult books. I'll try it. What is it? Well, do you want, do you want a really great young adult book where you could decide like, yeah, this genre is not for me. Because I feel like John Green is very representative of like a certain kind of YA that's been hot the past few years, but maybe not representative of YA in general, especially if adults are deciding whether or not they like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't know. Well, let me tell you what I'm thinking about and then we'll see. Okay, so the one I'm thinking of is Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine. And this is a book. Have you heard of this? I have heard of it. Have you read it? I tried it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is excellent. So why did you put it down? I'm trying to remember. So I can picture the cover. It had like the girl with the hands is black. She's like kind of gripping. And people had recommended it. And I remember I read maybe a chapter or two. And I just, I feel like there was like torture. Is that even right at all? Or she was being held? Yeah, that's right. Is that yeah. And I just, for some reason I was like, I don't know. And so I gave up, but, but it's one of those ones that a lot of people had said, you know, this is a great book. You got to read it. And I wonder if I should have pushed through and I didn't. So do you have regrets about this? No, I, 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 I don't have any regrets about, about quitting. Not only because I think that there are so many books, so I'd rather keep going on, on a new one. Um, but now that you say you think I would like it, I, that makes me sad well, <laughs> because I wish that, you know, maybe I should have tried it a little harder. I don't know. I think sometimes there are definitely books that I've put down and come back to later and been very glad I finished. But I think sometimes you know what's right for you. Okay, so I finally, finally read The Sparrow this year because of um, Holland Saltzman. I promised her I would. She was on the podcast, and I've been meaning to read that book for like a decade, so I finally did. And it doesn't matter if you know anything about it or not for this purpose. But somebody commented on my blog and said, oh, I abandoned that once, and I'm like haunted by it. And I keep wondering if I should pick it up and finish because it was really sad, which is why I put it down. And I keep hoping that there's some redemption at the end and that would have been worth it to see it through. So just tell me if that happens. And I said no, that doesn't happen. And she's like, really? Because I've been thinking for years that maybe there was a happy ending and it would have been mm-hmm. worth it. And it's been haunting me and now I'll just stop. So thank you. So maybe just YA isn't your thing. Yeah, yeah. it might not be. You know, my book though, that is like that for me is Cutting for Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I read, I started that, cutting it into it and I felt bad because I had a friend who was like, this is the best book, you got to read it. And so years later, I picked it up again and tried again. And I fought through... 70% of that book, but the final 30%, 
raced through, totally redemptive, loved it. And so sometimes I think books are like that, like you do kind of slog, but the payoff is there and sometimes they're not, you know? And so it's tough. I think. <laughs> and I think, I think because so often we don't have the time or we don't feel like we have the time, you know, if they don't catch me right from the beginning, I tend not to be in it. So yeah, I remember I, I had Codename Verity and I just, I couldn't get into it enough to keep going. So yeah, maybe I'm just not a young adult fan, which is going to make my You Will Know Me book a little bit sad, but we'll see. <laughs> There's a lot of parents in You Will Know Me, or it could okay. be really sad. I will be interested in hearing how that one turned yeah, out for you. I'll let you know for sure. All right. Excellent. Okay. In that case, book one is The Versions of Us by Laura Burnett. What do you know about it? Nothing. I'm excited. Awesome. Okay. Well, you said The Time Traveler's Wife was your favorite of all time. And you chose Dark Matter, and I don't think this is too different from your other. It's got a historical fiction element. Here, let me let me tell you what this is actually like, okay? So this is like sliding doors. Ooh, we, okay. we see a couple's romance, or, or not, depending, unfold in three different versions. So this is a pretty new book. It's a fairly thick hardcover, and it's like a romancy kind of, it's almost science fiction. And I feel like we've seen a lot of these books lately, like The Post-Birthday World or One True Loves, like the kind of sliding doors things where if one moment is different, your whole trajectory changes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this novel tells the story of Ava and Jim, who meet at Cambridge, when she runs over a rusty nail on her bike and he stops to fix it. Except in version two, he doesn't stop to fix it. And in version three, somebody else helps her. And I might be getting those details precisely. You know, that might not be exactly right, but that's the basic mm -hmm. idea. So we see everything unfold version by version. As you turn the pages, it says at the top of each chapter, version one or version mm -hmm. three. So in version one, she accepts his help and they get married. In version two, she marries the guy she shouldn't have. And in version three... She marries the guy she couldn't have, but she changes. She makes a significant life change halfway through the book. So in alternating chapters, which are really short, we see how the different stories of their lives unfold. And it's where it's really fun is when like they all show up at the same birthday party and you see how the couples are sorted out in that version of their life. Or they all show up at a funeral or their children like bump into each other and you hear how the differences are because of that one choice they made, like biking the class back in 1958. So what I love about this book is it's lots of fun. The historical setting is interesting. It spans like 50 years. So like different settings across continents. So that's a lot of fun. What I don't love about this is if you're like a true romantic at heart, and I don't see that for you, mm -hmm. but if you are, there's no resounding, yes, they nailed it. This is amazing. Like Every plot has its fair share of like happiness, but also serious heartbreak. So how does yeah, that sound I, to you? That sounds amazing. Like as you were explaining, I was totally smiling. Um, I, I can like just see and hear the, um, the, how it would tie to dark matter and time traveler's life, which is, I like that you linked them. Like to me, dark matter echoed so much of what I loved about time traveler's wife. So I felt like they were, they felt similar vibe, even though I read them, you know, 10 years apart. Um, and so that made, I'm so excited for this one. I think that sounds great. You had me at sliding doors also. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would love it. And I'm not, and I think I'm not a sappy romantic, like romantic comedies, I used to really like, and I just feel like as I've gotten older, I like them less and less. So, so that's okay. That's okay that it's not a perfect bow at the end. So cool. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. So 
the criteria here is keeping you off Instagram when you, I mean, not that you need to stay off Instagram, but like keeping you from putting down the book and going to Instagram. And I think it would keep you reading. Great. That's amazing. Okay. Book two, I'm looking for a page turner you probably haven't heard of. Okay. This one happens to be historical as well in a different era. It is The Wife, the Maid, and the Mistress by Ariel Lahan. Do you know anything about this? Oh, no. Okay. She just had a big one come out last, early this year. Yeah, early this year called Flight of Dreams, which is a historical novel about the Hindenburg, which you may also like. But that's not that's not the one I want you to read. This was inspired. This is a fun kind of historical fiction and a kind I enjoy when it's done well. So back in 1930, there was a judge on the New York State Supreme Court who vanished in the midst of like huge political scandal. And he mm. wasn't legally declared dead until almost 10 years later in 1939. And I've heard Ariel talk about the inspiration and it's something like uh, every year his widow, uh, Stella Crater, would visit the bar in New York City. And this is the true story, um, which is in the book, but this actually was a thing. So every year she would visit a bar where they went together and she would ask for a very specific kind of drink and she would make a very public toast to her missing husband, Joe. And some people said when they heard that story that it didn't seem like a tribute and it didn't seem like a honest remembrance. It seemed like guilt. And they wondered if she was involved. So that was the jumping off point for this novel. So from there, the rest is fiction. We have a um, his wife. Stella Crater is a major character in the book. We have Ritzy, a showgirl with, uh, who wants to be on Broadway, who's trying to make it, who has fallen in with the judge. She is the mistress. And we have the maid who is trying to make it in New York City and whose husband is employed as New York City law enforcement. So Ariel imagines what actually happened. So we have these intersecting plot lines told from the perspectives of the three women hypothesizing what actually happened. And so Ariel told this really funny story at um, the Booktopia event put on by Books of the Nightstand podcast back when there was a Books of the Nightstand podcast. Mm -hmm. May it live in our hearts forever. She said that she got a letter from someone who read her book inquiring about the factual basis of her writing. And as someone who writes historical fiction, you're like, Oh my goodness, like yeah. kill me now. What is this <laughs> going to say? You know, like your blood pressure through the roof all of a sudden. She said she opened it up and the the email said something basically like how did you know what happened to my grandma? We thought it had been a family secret or whatever. Or how did you figure it out? And she was just totally making it up. So, so I hope that gives you a clue of like how persuasive this is, how compelling and I think you know, it's not World War II, but I'm not trying to get you read a likes. I'm trying to get you a great book you'll love that you haven't heard of before. So how does that sound to you? It sounds really great. I got goosebumps as you were telling me the the, the granddaughter. Yeah, I that sounds great. I, I mentioned, you know, I like books where there's the different perspectives and they're, you know, they're interlinked. And yeah, I'm excited. Like another one where I'm like, I could, I could pick that up. I could read that right away. So very, and I'd never heard of it at all. Awesome. That's fun. Like, I love finding new books to me that sound perfect for me instead of like, oh, maybe I'll get around to reading that. Yeah, no, that makes me anxious to oh, read. <laughs> I hear you. 
Okay, so this would be more books you've never heard of. Do you want to double down on tra time travel, or is that too much for someone who doesn't no, actually read sci-fi? No, I absolutely double down on time travel. Okay. Now, I would have thought that nobody would have heard of this book, but then I saw it in an airport in Chicago. So maybe. We'll see. This is Every Anxious Wave by Mo DeVoe. Every okay. Anxious Wave. There's a vinyl heard record of on the cover. Okay, so you were not in that airport in Chicago. Awesome. <laughs> I was not. Okay, so have you read 112263 by no. Okay, by Stephen King? No. Okay. Is this the series that he's doing? No. That the there's like a hotel series? No, it's a standalone. And I was going to okay. tell you it's like that but different, but if you haven't read okay. it that's no good. Okay. So for people who have read 112263 and that one, high school English teacher in Vermont finds a wormhole in in a grocery store. I don't even remember anymore. It's only been a couple of years since I read it. He finds a wormhole back to 1950s and he goes back in time to try to stop the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Every Anxious Wave is similar in that this guy named Carl, just a kind of floundering 30-something bar owner who hasn't found love and hasn't really found meaning or significant work or anything, he stumbles upon a wormhole in his closet at home. But instead of using it to try to change history, he develops a little entrepreneurial venture where he sells people access to travel back in time through his closet to see their favorite bands performing live. Yeah. So with the premise, he does. Because what could go wrong? <laughs> and I'm just going to cut it right there. How does that sound? Sounds good. I, I of the three, I'm probably, I, that would pro if I read them in order, I would probably read that one third. But I'm still interested. I mean, I think I, I, time travel to me is very interesting. It's funny. Like I, you know how there's there's different like ways that people think of time travel, like as far as the laws of time travel. Um, and so when I read time travel, I'm always like, does this make sense scientifically, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I would still be very interested. I, my question would be is how much emphasis is on like the bands that you're watching or how, or that the characters are watching, or is it more about the characters or, Okay, so I recommended this immediately to my brother who is way into music and likes to get things on vinyl, but that is not me. There's not a heavy emphasis on the bands. Like, if you okay. love the band, like, I can't remember who the bands were in the book because, like, I just really didn't care. So, right. but if you're exactly. a music person, you'd remember. So, no, okay. I would say this is about love and identity and how shaking things up can bring things to light about the current state of your life. Because a cool. time travel book can't just be about time travel or it wouldn't make the list of what we're talking about here today. Right, right, right. right. Cool. Yeah, that, that makes me, to hear that you're not super into the bands and you still liked it, that makes me even more excited. So, cool. Excellent. And it's not, it's a quick read. So it's 280 pages, but it's, it's a small, like it's physically a small book. And I, I remember reading it really fast. My husband read it really fast. This is another one where he read first. I think The Wife, The Maid, and The Mistress is probably like a solid 300 page, pretty typical novel length and then the versions of us is a lot longer that's about. great like a thick a, a great thick book i can't there's nothing better to me than a great thick book like the nightingale <laughs> so that's great but i don't want to read like 10 of those in a row okay the versions that's of true. us it's only 416 i was thinking it was longer than that it looks okay. substantial all right elise of those three books what do you think you'll read next i think the versions of us is going to be the first one like the other i think the other two i'll put on my library queue and the versions of us i think i'll buy <laughs> so to me that's a that's a big deal to know that it's like coming in the mail and i'm gonna get it so 
All right. Well, thanks so much for talking books with me today. I can't wait to hear what you think. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to, to be on the show. I appreciate it. Hey readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Elise today. Connect with Elise online at elisejoy.com where you'll find links to her shop, blog, and podcast. Check her out on Instagram at elisejoy and make sure you check out her reading hashtag Elise Reads and Reads. Please head to the podcast site to let me know what you thought of my recommendations and to share your recommendations for what Elise should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 63 and it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Stay tuned till next week for a special episode. I'm talking to 15 different readers about how they track their reading, and it's going to be a blast. A very nerdy, bookish kind of blast, for sure. To make sure you don't miss it, head to your favorite podcast app right now and hit subscribe. If you're on Twitter, let me know there, at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next? Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.